0: As you heard me pray, we are in the midst of a series called Centered. Tagline, this, centering ourselves on Jesus. We're studying the book of Colossians, and we've established this truth. The Apostle Paul, looking for author's intent, we see that this young church, maybe only a couple of years old, planted by a man named Epaphras, just a disciple of the Apostle Paul, planted this church. The church gets going. The Apostle Paul has never visited there, but some false teachers come and they begin to disrupt uh, the strength of this church, trying to knock the church off center. And so we've established this, that this letter was written to us, that those believers in the church of Colossae would see Jesus Christ preeminent overall and that he would be the center of our lives. Then the Apostle Paul said this, see to it that this letter is distributed throughout all of the churches. Guess what? Are you a church? Are we a church? Come on, we're a church. This letter was written to us too. And so here we are. We've established this point. Just like the, cent- the sun is at the center of our solar system, and its pull is keeping uh, the planets, the, pla- the planets, you like that? The planets, and whenever else is orbiting around it, it is at the center premise all of us have something at the center of our lives that our orbit of life is centered around and if we were to do an inventory we've established this we would see that our schedules our resources, our finances, our relationships, our time, obviously, that which captures our attention. So much of our thoughts, if we really were to take time, we would find that there's whatever's at the center of my life captivates me. Just as gravity, just as the force as strong as gravity pulls us in, so does whatever at the center draw us, even directing the very purpose of our life. And this could be all kinds of things we established that we would put at the center. And it ch- sometimes it changes with the seasons of life. Sometimes we're chasing maybe a boy or a girl and we put them at the center. Sometimes at the center, it's our children. Sometimes it's our job. Sometimes it's lots of other things. But if we're really honest with ourselves, even the reason why we put those things at the center is why? Because who's at the center? Say me. It's about what I want. It's about what I need. It's about what I long for. It's about what I desire. And see, the the problem with me being at the center is me. I am a problem. I can't get out of my own way. And what we're learning in this series is this. We've got to learn through the power of the Holy Spirit what it means to submit to God's work so that Jesus Christ can be back at the center of our lives. Amen? Amen? And so it begins like this. The Apostle Paul comes right out of the gate. And if we're going to have Jesus Christ centered in our lives, it begins step one in prayer. Say prayer. We're on prayer. Oh, boy. Now the, now the heart check questions. He always has a heart check question. What's up with these heart check questions? How often are you praying? Like, Probably a lot of us in the room, we have the meal prayer down, right? Uh, We probably have the before I go to bed prayer sometimes down. Do you have the um, I grab my spouse by the hand prayer down yet? Moms and dads, the um, praying over your children prayer down. How often are you praying? Oh, by God's grace, that I would pray more. Oh, by God's grace, that I would grab my wife's hand more. Oh, by God's grace, that I would pray over my children more. Oh, that I could follow the example of this text today as the Apostle Paul and pray over you more. You see, that we pray, that we pray is a significant thing. That we pray is is an identification that we're we're seeking to put Christ at the center. Obviously, we know we need to go to the Lord. But now the next hard question is this. What is it that's consuming your prayers? Have you ever stopped to consider what you pray about most? Do you have a predominant thing? Is it like always family, always family, always family? Is it always job, always job, always, is it always health? always health always health or or if you're like one of my sons it's a good night's day dear God give us a good night's day a good night's day a good night's day probably because he's heard mommy and daddy always pray for a good night's rest somehow or another it's turned into a good night's day and so we just have good night's days at our house and so what consumes his little heart and prayers a good night's day I wish you all a good night's day You see, what you pray about says a lot about what's at the center. And even our prayers become situational, don't they? Dear God, help me pass this test. Oh, dear God. Oh, dear Lord, please help me pass this test. Oh, God, please, please don't let that police officer that I just sped by have clocked me on the radar gun. Oh, Lord, please, come on. Anybody want to confess? The aisles are open, please come. Come on, these situational prayers, you know you have them. Help me pass the test. Help my team win the game. Help the cheaters get caught. That's a good prayer, by the way. You can pray that one some more. Astros. Keep going. Can I say it out loud again? It's not in the notes. It's not in the notes. You see, how often we pray and what we pray about says a lot about our hearts. Just then said a lot about my heart. It says a lot about what our heart is centered around. But what really matters is this Are our prayers centered on Jesus? Have you thought this? Are you praying Christ centered prayers? The Apostle Paul, right here, he is on this Christ-centered prayer. He desires for Christ to be at the center of his life, and he's asking God to take his place there. He desires for Christ to be at the center of other people's lives, and he's praying that God would do the same over there. And so, do you know, are you, are you praying Christ-centered prayers? And if you are, how would you know that you're praying a Christ-centered prayer? Here's a simple question you could ask yourself to try to establish whether you're praying a Christ-centered prayer or not based on the prayer that you just prayed, based on the prayer that I just prayed. Lord, if you answered the desire of my heart, would it put me closer to the center or you? Dear God, if you really answered this prayer, would, would, it, would it reveal the motive that it was really about what I wanted? Or God, would, it, would the, you answering this prayer really put you at the center of my life, like, uh, like you desire to be? Do you see it? Jesus at the center. All in favor of Jesus being at the center, all in favor of learning what it looks like to pray a Christ-centered prayer, say amen. Because I know there's some of you in this room who desire to please the Lord in all that you do. And I haven't met a Christian who didn't say, like, I wish I prayed more. Or I wish I prayed more sincerely and for some of you in this room, you just, you just wish you knew how to pray. The Apostle Paul is going to model for us today how to pray. How to pray a prayer that I believe changes lives. I believe it's a prayer that our God longs to hear. And I believe it's a prayer that he loves to answer. So here it is. Come on, look at the text. Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter one. We did this last week. Let's do it again. Would you stand with me for the reading of God's word? Some of you just got comfortable. You just got your arm around your spouse. There it is. You're all like, this is just so he can preach longer. You know that, right? It's just so he can stretch. That's not at all. But if I do, you've stretched. Here we go. Listen. Look at verse three with me. We always thank God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ when we pray for you. You hear the Christ-centeredness in that prayer? We always thank God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ when we pray for you. And this was last week's passage, but Paul just establishes that he always prays for them. Now verse 9 is the actual prayer. Take a look. And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. I pray this, that you would walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, that you would be fully pleasing to God, that you would be bearing fruit in every good work, and that you would be increasing in the knowledge of God. This is what he prays. The Apostle Paul prays that that they would be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience and joy. I pray that you'd be able to give thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints of light. I pray this because he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and has transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption of sins. Come on, don't sit down yet. You want to clap for God's word? Go ahead. This is a Christ-centered prayer. This is a purposeful prayer. This is a prayer we should always be praying for ourselves, for our families, for our communities, and for our church. And because this is such a key mark prayer that can guide you in your everyday life, I don't want to just preach through this text. I don't want to just tell you. I want to show you. And I want you to participate with me now. So you're gonna to need to put down your Bibles. Go ahead and put down your Bible only just for a short time because you're gonna need it. Don't close it unless you have it marked with that beautiful invitation bookmark. Awesome. Here's the prayer. Are you ready? Take go like this for a second. This is your dignity, all right? Just put it right to the side. All right. I do this for you every Sunday. Before I get up here, I say, Lord God, please help me not. Never mind. You know, you, you understand. The Apostle Paul prays this, that you would know, show me know, I won't hold you here long, that you would know the will of God. You would know the will of God. And when you know the will of God, this is, you're gonna love this one, you'll be able to go. Show me go, I know the rows are tight, but come on, this is why you need to invite a friend. This is so much fun. You would go. So while you got your, your fists clenched, now watch, watch, when you're going, ultimately you'll start growing in the strength of God. Come on, somebody grab a bicep. This is good times. You would grow in the strength of God. Now, 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 now! Pretend like you're behind the you're behind the basket on a glass on a glass uh, backboard, and you're trying to like whammy the foul shot. Now, this, come on! How light are your fingers? Twinkle fingers that you would glow, that you would glow in the grace of God. All right, come on! Give yourself a hand and sit down. So here it is. You're not here to be preached at. We're here to be learn. We're here to be learning. I want you to take with you what God's Word has to say. And we're praying this, that we would know the will of God, that we would go in the strength of God, that we would grow in His might, that ultimately we would be able to shine the light of Christ. That is a simple prayer you can teach to your children tonight when you put them to bed. It is a prayer you can pray over yourself every day. Oh God, I want to know your will today. I want to walk in your will today. I want to grow in your strength today. Lord, I want your light to shine through me. Come on, this is the life of Christ in us. And so the Apostle Paul, four marks. Four marks of a Christ-centered prayer. A prayer that we can pray for everyone with great passion. And so we pray this. We pray... Paul prays to know his will. We pray to know the will of God. Verse 9. Apostle Paul says, From the day we have heard, from the day we've heard, heard what? From the day that they heard verses 5 and 6, that they had have a faith in Christ. From the day we heard from Epaphras that the gospel took among you, that a church was established. He's not saying that he prays every second of the day. What he says is, I've not stopped praying for you. And so when I pray, I pray for you. You're on my regular prayer list. How personal is this when someone says they pray for you? Just stop and think about that. When I talk to God about all the desires and all the concerns that exist in my life, you're one of the things I talk to my God about. Have you told someone that recently? Have you just stopped and touched a shoulder recently and just done it? Paul says, I pray. Since the day that I heard about your faith in Christ, I haven't stopped praying for you. What am I praying? That you'd be filled with the knowledge of his will. That you'd be filled with the knowledge of his will. That you would be filled with the knowledge of his will. You see, the first mark of a Christ-centered prayer is consumed and completely concerned with the will of God. Not my mom and dad's will, although they, they may be on the will of God as well. We'll respect that, but it's it's not my boss's will, right? It's not my friend's will, it's not my will. Oh, how I have a will. Oh, how I love to give God lots of instructions, and oh, how I best move out the way of the center when the strike comes down, when I think I'm all that and that bag of chips. It's God's will. And speaking of God's will, you kind of need to pause right here and ask, have you ever prayed and asked God to reveal his will to you? What was that like? God, what do I do I do? Where do I go? Is this the one? Is this the opportunity for me? God, how I wanna I want to walk in your will. I want to walk in your will. Have you ever prayed for God's will? Have you did you receive an answer? Did you follow it? Maybe you're here and you're like, no, I didn't get one actually. I'm still a little jaded about that. Maybe you're here today and you're like, you know what, I'm just checking this stuff out. Like, I'm not like, I'm not sure. I'm not even sure there's a God that I will want to talk to and bring my requests to. And so maybe you're on the other end of this thing and you're saying, I, I don't know if God's will can even be discerned. You may even be a Christian here and someone taught you along the way that you really can't discern the will of God. Come on, the Apostle Paul prays this, that you would know, you would know, you would know the will of God. The word know here is epinosis. It speaks of a deep, Accurate and thorough understanding. 100% confidence in the will of God. So hear me on this. Can you know the will of God? Yes, say yes. You can know the will of God. Paul says that they would know. But some of you are like, really? Okay, ready? Follow me on this. God's will in this regard is more a matter of right and wrong than it is left and right god's will is a matter of right and wrong more than it is left and right it's less hey i'm at an intersection all things neutral god should i go left or should i go right listen our Bible is abundantly clear about how we discern the will of God. Romans chapter 12 verses 1 and 2 tells us how we can discern the will of God. Romans chapter 12 verse 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal, there it is, by the renewal of your mind. And as your mind is renewed, by testing you may discern what the will of God is. Watch, watch, watch what the will of God is. That which is good, that which is acceptable, that which is perfect. Do you see it? God's will in this respect is more a matter of right and wrong, good, perfect, and excellent than it is left or right. And so God's moral will has not been hidden from us. And even those practical left and right decisions that you may bring before the Lord, I'm telling you, run them through this filter of the transforming of your mind and God's gonna lead you to an answer. How do we renew our minds? First Timothy 2.4, study. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman who needeth not to be ashamed, who can rightly divide the word of truth. Come on, my KJV friends. Come on, that's how we learned it. Back in my fundamental days, love those scriptures when they come back to mind. Why? Because as those scriptures come to our mind, that's the renewal. And so, as we renew our mind, as we study God's Word, His will is revealed to us. As you study God's Word, His will is revealed. No less than six times in the New Testament, God himself. So you don't have to guess. You don't have to guess. You're like, well, which passages reveal God's will? Well, God's will is in his word, but six times he says, this is my will. This is my will. This is my will. Don't you love it when someone comes right out and says, this is what I want you to do? No guessing. Everybody have one of those Valentine's Day where you had to guess on what what your significant other really wanted? Like, this is my will. This is what I like. This is what I don't. Jesus said, this is my will. Hear it. Here's the first one. You want to discern the will of God? This is God's will for people to be saved. It's God's will for people to be saved. 1 Timothy 2 4. God, who desires all people to be saved, to come to the knowledge of the truth. It's God's will that you share the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's not God, should I share the gospel? It's God, please open this door. God, please show the way. God give me courage. God give me strength. God give me the words because it's God's will that people would be saved. Number 2, it's God's will that we would be spirit-filled. It's God's will that we would be spirit-filled. Ephesians 5:18 says this, "Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is." Ready? And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. Don't be controlled by substances. Rather, be filled, be controlled by the Holy Spirit. God desires for you to be Spirit-led. That's His will, to submit to the Spirit of God in your life. It's His desire, it's His will that people would be saved. It's His will that you would live a Spirit-filled life amongst men. Here's number three, that you would be sanctified. Come on, write these down, that you would be sanctified. 1 Thessalonians 4, 3. For this, watch, watch, this is the will of God for this is the will of God. I'm just so thankful that he says this is the will of God, that like God's not playing a game of hidey-go-seek, right? He's not like hidden his will somewhere and he's like, oh my word, I've hit it good this time. Oh, just look at him, just look at him down there wandering around trying to find my will. Oh, look at him, I hit it good. That's the, he had, this is my will. This is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual morality. It's God's will that you not sin. <laughs> it's God's will. It's God's will that you become more into the image of Christ. You know what God's will is? Do the next right thing. You know what God's will is? Submit to the Holy Spirit to do the next right thing. I'm not sure what the next right thing is. Keep reading your Bible. Saved, Spirit-filled, sanctified. Now this one gets a little bit... And this one might stretch you a little bit. Here we go, here we go. First, First Peter chapter 2, verses 13 through 15. It's God's will that you submit to authority. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor or supreme or the government as sent by him to punish those who do evil and praise those who do good. Well, listen, listen. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. God's will is that you pray for your governing authorities. It's God's will. It's God's will. Ultimately, we, we must obey God over men, Acts chapter 4, Acts chapter 5. I get that. But where we're not disobeying God, we are called to live quiet and peaceful lives among those who are over us. Come on, how's your Facebook look? Respectful. It's the will of God. There's a lot of things I don't like. But you know what God's will is? To suffer. What? Pastor, I think I missed that point. 1 Peter 4:19. 1 Peter 4:19. Therefore that those who suffer according to God's will Therefore that those who suffer according God's will and trust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. <laughs> like what kind of good? What kind of God lets people suffer? Like what kind of God? Really? You're saying it's God's will that I go through hardships from time to time? Yes. Yes. The author of Hebrews says this just as a loving father disciplines his child when he does wrong to bring him under the direction of correction and righteousness, so does our Lord God and Father do that for us. And if it's not a matter of discipline, what is it? It's a matter of sanctification. It's a matter of witness. Come on, be honest. Our times of deepest witness to a watching world is when we're in sometimes the darkest places. It's when the life is bearing down. It's when you don't have that second. It's when you're on your last thread, but the Holy Spirit gives you strength to go through that people step back and they go, what in the world is this hope that is in you? Because I would have blown a gasket by now. Oh, how our prayer lives would be so much more enriched if we realized that the very thing we've put at the center and asking God to remove might be the very thing that he's placed there to draw you closer to him. He's like, you're missing it. I put that there so that you would put me at the center. I actually, I'm allowing you to go through it because it's drawing you closer to me. You don't know this, but your neighbor's watching you. And every day that, I, that you receive the strength to press on, he's that much closer. My Holy Spirit is wooing him to me, and I'm using you. But we pray it away, and we pray it away, and we spend hours praying away the very thing that God might be using. Oh, Christian. And it's not that we run toward the suffering. It's not that we call it upon ourselves. That is not the will of God. But what is his will that we would be willing to suffer for his name's sake? For Peter goes on to say, if we are to suffer, let us suffer for good. Let us suffer because we name the name of Jesus. Oh, the day is coming. Let us practice now when the oppression isn't as strong. It's God's will salvation it's god's will sanctification it's god's will submission to authority it's god's will that we'd be willing to suffer and then just to counterbalance this whole thing it's god's will for us to be thankful in it all it's god's will that we would be thankful check your heart have you said thank you recently to anyone have you said thank you to god give thanks in come on all circumstances god i thank you for this hardship God, I thank you for this good thing. I thank you for it all. Watch, watch. Give thanks in all circumstances. Why? For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And so Paul says, he prays that we would be filled with this knowledge. We would be filled with this knowledge. Filled, filled, filled. It basically means like to be filled. You guys have seen this before. Um, How many of you have seen the, come on, like so full so full, you feel. Oh, the water's warm this time. Thank you, guys. The water, the water, you know, you, you, you submerge. And so it's so full, right? That it's just, it's just like you just ring it out, right? You're, just, you're supposed to be so full of the Word of God that you would know the will of God that you could just kind of ring. You could just, right down my sleeve, you could ring it out. And you see some of us we think our hearts are just like this. Like you've seen this illustration before and this is just how this is just how how saturated you're supposed to be. And so we've gotten this idea that what we can do is kind of come to God's word and we just kind of get a dip in. And look at me. Look at me. I read the verse of the day. Like I'm saturated with the, with the word of God. I posted a meme on Facebook and it was super. And I got a bazillion likes. And we are tricking ourselves to think we can kind of do a drive-by of God's word, and that means we're now filled with the knowledge of God's will. We're much more like this sponge. You see, this is a floral sponge. This is what's used to hold a bouquet of flowers together. This is what keeps the flowers alive in that beautiful basket that you may or may not have received this Valentine's Day. No judgment here. And you see, you just think like you can just submerge this thing and like you submerge it. And you, like if I just dunk it a couple times, like look, 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 look how wet it is. Isn't it cool? Like look at me, look at me. But then you know what happens? Like you cut the thing open and it's bone dry. And some of us are just super content. Like we're just, hey, the surface is wet. I dip myself in God's word. I kind of, I kind of got a verse of the day. I kind of got a general direction of what he wants me to do. If you want to be filled with the knowledge of God, here's what I've learned about these You just kind of lay them there. You just lay them in the water. Kind of like us, you kind of just kind of lay in the word of God. It takes time and you see over time, these will sink. They'll be fully submerged and when they're fully submerged, when they're fully saturated, um, they'll be useful. Then the flowers that are stuck in them will live. You see it? It takes time. It takes time i wake up tomorrow and i'm in god's word again and i wake up tomorrow and i'm in god's word again and by noon i failed him with my thoughts with my actions right with my tone so what do i need to do get back into that word again get back into my prayer time again remember this is about prayer what am i praying for oh god help me know your will help me be saturated with your will help my friends be saturated with your will help my family be saturated with your will oh god help us get into your word we'd be saturated to this point, right? Filled. Remember remember what the false teachers are saying? Jesus plus, Jesus plus, Jesus plus. Jesus plus strict religion. Jesus plus special knowledge. Jesus plus spiritual mysticism. And what Paul is saying is no, fully saturated. What needs to be at the center of your heart? Jesus Christ and his word alone. Kick the rest, hip-check it to the curb. Paul's like, nope, we're complete in Christ. Thank you very much. And when you're saturated with God's word, guess what, guess what he says comes next? Wisdom and understanding. Wisdom and understanding. You'd be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and all understanding. You know what wisdom is? Sophia in the Greek, it means to know the difference between right and wrong. It's to know God's truth and be able to discern what is right. It's truth put to action. It's able to discern your situation and say this is the right thing to do. And so Paul's praying that they would know your word to the extent they could take your word, look at a situation and be able to not left and right, right and wrong. But not just no left and right, right and wrong not just know the right answer, that which is good, perfect, and pure, but to know why. That's understanding. Wisdom is the ability to discern and make the right choice. Understanding is the ability to know why. Not because your pastor told you to, not because mom and dad said it's the right thing, but because you have looked into God's word and you have understanding. Wisdom and understanding. And so we're seeking after the will of God. And see, once you come to this saturation point of God's word, you'll be able to discern his will and then once your mind is full, you'll then be able to know God's will and you'll be able to what? Come on, show me. Bobby, can you show me? Can you do it? Do it. This. Go Go like this. Go God's way. Bobby just got you all off the hook. Thank Bobby. Thank you, Bobby. You don't have to clap for him. I just wanted to thank him. Look at verse 10. So as... I want you to know this, wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Pray, Paul's praying that we'd be able to go his way, go in God's way. So walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. You see, it's one thing. It's one thing to know the truth. It's the one thing to know why it's true. But it's, you guys know this, it's a whole nother thing to actually do what is right and what is true. You guys all know James chapter 1. You've heard if you've been around church at all, you've heard this. But let's be doers of the word and not merely hearers because when we do that, we're merely deceiving ourselves and we all have we all know a second Timothy chapter 3 verse 7 Christians. We all know, you know what we call these folks? Fatheads. Y'all know fathead Christians? Anyone know a headed Christian? Last 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 service, they were raising their hands name and names. So you all, I hope it wasn't any of you. This is a fat listen always learning, never able to arrive at the knowledge of the truth. Always learning, never knowing why. Always learning, doing what they're told, not knowing why. Or all the right answers, all the right answers, all the right answers, life is a mess. You know the one. Big, like if you're taking a quiz, like if your life depends on like um, a trivial pursuit, like they're there for that party. But if it means winning someone to Jesus, like they're not getting invited. You know the difference? Oh, what's Paul's prayer? Listen, this is not to do, disparage learning, certainly not. That's point one is that in our learning, we would be able to go. In our knowing, knowing always leads to going. And so Paul's prayer is this. Our prayer is that fat heads would lead to soft hands, strong hearts, and swift feet for Jesus. And I'm so grateful that Mission Church, that I'm surrounded by people who are eager to know God's word, and who I get to live amongst. And you guys are going the way of the Lord, so many of you, or you're striving to do. And I know you're not perfect, and neither am I. And I know that you're failing, and so am I in so many ways. But this is why this prayer is so important. This is how we come back to the Lord. Oh God, help us. Help us walk in a manner that's worthy of you. You know what that means to walk in a manner worthy of God? He's the standard, not your neighbor. If you use your neighbor as the standard, you are on a treadmill that will never end. In one way, you're deceived because you're doing better than them. Trust me, that's not perfect. And on another standard, you're not doing as well as them and you're just gonna beat yourself up. Jesus Christ is the standard, we all fail that's what draws me back to having him at the center because I find his mercy there. Wisdom, understanding. We're praying, oh Lord God, please. We walk in a manner worthy of you. Then it says also this, that we would walk in a way that pleases him. He's our motivation. He's why we do what we do. He's why we come to church. We're trying to please him, not our spouse. We're trying to please him, not mom and dad. We're trying to please him. At the end of the day, it's about putting Christ at the center, him being our motivation. Why does your spouse, why does your mom and dad want you to come to church? Because ultimately they want Jesus to be at the center, not them. When you're doing things to please others, they're now at the center, not Jesus. Why do we sing the songs that we sing? Is it because we just like the melodic line and then we don't sing the ones that we don't like? We sing because it's a way that our hearts can be affectionate under God. Why do we do the things that we do? Why do we serve in the way that we serve? Is it to kind of outdo the next guy if it is? If you're living your life to please somebody else, You must be really tired. And if you've been doing that and you feel tired today, hear this. When you please Jesus, pleasing everybody else takes care of itself. When you please Jesus, pleasing everybody else takes care of itself. We must obey God over men. When you please Jesus, when you please the Lord, If pleasing the Lord doesn't please the others, then what are you doing? And what is their expectation? It's not right. When you please God, all other expectations take care of themselves. And so I please the Lord. Why do I come to church for, for the Lord? Why do my spouse want me to come to begin with? Because he wants me to be nearer to the Lord. And so by coming unto the Lord, I will. Do I want to please my spouse? Oh, more than you know. And she's so gracious in this way. Why do we do the things that we do to impress others? Oh, how I long to impress you more than I would like to admit. But when that happens, Christ has left the center or we have pushed him out of the center. And so we pray, God, help us. Help us to go, help us to live in a way that puts you at the center. You're our motivation. This is where we ask, why do we do the things that we do? You see, if we do it to please or impress others or out of religious duty, Jesus has a word. He tells us that we're no better than the Pharisees. That makes us hypocrites. He says this in Matthew twenty three twenty five. woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites, for you clean the outside of the cup and the plate but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence yes you're so happy with the outside of your sponge looking like it's wet acting like you got it all together he says this oh this is what i'm praying that you would go, that you would walk, that you would walk, you would go live and learn in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work. Bearing fruit in every good work. Bearing fruit is, a pre, is in the present tense. That means he wants you to be bearing fruit when? Now. Now once he wants you to be bearing fruit. Now. How about now? Now, bearing fruit in the present tense and he wants red apple, right fruit, not like green fruit, like I'm thinking about it, I'm almost there, I might be able to pick it sometime soon, but I'm think I'm, I'm just trying to muster up. No, he wants red apples now, but you can't produce red apples. This is the Holy Spirit's work in you. But you see, some of you, you've, you've, you've had a whole lifetime of red apples. The problem was, they were a couple decades ago and your apples are brown. <laughs> This ought to be a fresh orchard up in here. We ought to be tripping over apples on our way out the door. This ought to be a fruit orchard. Red apples, come on, you got some. And you're like, well, how do I know if I'm producing fruit? Back to God's will. It was God's will that people would be saved. Have you shared the gospel of Jesus Christ? That's red fruit. It's God's will that you would be spirit filled. Are you enjoying worshiping him? Are you worshiping him in spirit and in truth? That's red apples. It's God's will that you would be sanctified. Have you said no to sin and yes to him recently? Come on, red apple. It's God's will that you would be willing to suffer for his sake. Did you do the bold thing? Did you speak up when the Holy Spirit called you to? Did you do what was right, even though you knew you were gonna take it on the chin? Did you say the name of Jesus? Did you stick up for that one that you knew once you did, you were gonna get pulled in to the Facebook slaughter? Man, I'm on Facebook today, I don't know why, but you get it. Have you stuck up for the oppressed and the marginalized? Willing to suffer? Have you said thank you to the Lord? Have you said thank you to your spouse? Have you hugged your friend and just said, I'm glad the Lord has you in my life? It's fruit and we need to pray. Oh God, please. Help them, help them, help them, help them. Help us, Lord God. Jesus said this by this, my father is glorified that you would bear much fruit. You see, as we bear much fruit, as we bear fruit, as we're going the way, God will strengthen us, point three. God will strengthen us. We pray, here's the prayer. Paul prays that they would grow in his might. That they would grow in his might. Verse 11, that you may be strengthened with the power according to his glorious might, with all endurance, patience, with joy. As we go, he keeps growing us. Everything we do, here's the point, everything we do is a work of God. If he's at the center, it's his strength coming out of us. It's through his glorious might. Philippians chapter two, verse 13. For it is God who works in me, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. And so what's Paul say? Here's what I'm praying for in your life. I'm praying that you, that you would see God's strength and power. That's the word dynamis. What does dynamis sound like? dynamite I did not bring a prop for this one (laughs) dynamis it's dynamite you see a stick of dynamite and what do you know there is potential for that thing to go pop there is potential for that thing to go boom and so what he's saying is I'm praying that you would know the potential of God that you would know that this grace dynamite is at your fingertips but then he says this strength and power according to his glorious might. You see, dynamis is his inherent power. He is powerful, and we know he's powerful. His glorious might speaks of his manifested power. His glorious might, that's when the dynamite goes boom. It's it's when the dynamite goes pop, and what is he praying? Oh, not only that you would know of God's power, but this grace would explode in your life on a daily basis. Oh, that you would be able to come to the Lord and know that he is willing to do this work in you. And so often we are on dynamis power and strength. We think of God's working in the past tense. We think of this, God has done powerful things. He's made walls fall down in Jericho. He's split seas, called red. He's done all kinds of things. He's healed people. He's walked on water. Our God is Capable of doing some tremendous things and I believe that and so I'm all over the dynamist power of God but I regularly doubt the Kratos. I doubt that he's willing to explode that power in my life. And I always think big picture. I always think mass explosion. You know what he's saying here? God's greatest work in our day is the transformation of hearts because you see what he prays for? Endurance, steadfastness, and patience. God's miraculous work is being seen in your heart right now. Steadfastness, endurance, patience. Endurance and steadfastness, you know what that means? I'm praying that you'd be able to stay the course, Paul says. I'm praying that in light of these false teachers and all the nonsense of the world, that you'd be able to stay the course. And so when it comes to the spiritual realm, here's what I want you to remember. It's always too soon to quit. When it comes to the spiritual walk, it's always too soon to quit. I'm ready to walk out on this relationship. I don't care what the vow says. It's always too soon to quit. Come on, what's your thing? They've been gone too long, and I'm tired of praying. Hear me. It's always too soon to quit. With endurance. With endurance, endurance says it's always too soon to quit. But here's the other patience. Patience is this, our ability to keep our cool in difficult times. Endurance is the ability to make it through the difficult times. Patience is the ability to keep our cool in the difficult times. And you know what blows my mind? How often people will endure the hardship just to explode and fail the patience test. I made it through the day. You know how bad this day was? You know how rough this was? You know the counseling sessions that we had today? You know what it was like to hold it all together? And then you walk in the house. All that work to endure throughout the day. And then you get close to those you love the most and your patience is out the window. Friends, I'm telling you, this is such a great prayer. Oh, Lord God, that we would know your will, that we would walk in your way, that we would go in your way, that we'd be strengthened by you to this end. Not just to get through the trial, but to pass, to pass the test that endures. God doesn't test us for our failing, but for our proving. And so when that difficult time comes, the, the test of sanctification is this, that you keep your cool to the end. You see, it's always too soon to quit. but it's always the wrong time to lose it. It's always too soon to quit, but it's always the wrong time to lose your coal. That's endurance, and that's patience. And when, we're, when the Lord is at the center and he's strengthening us to this end, then it leads us to the fourth and final point. Know, go, grow, Come on, I'm going to make you do this one because I'm not doing this one alone. Come on, come on, get it up, get it up, get it up. And we're going to glow. We're going to glow in the light of Christ. Look at the text. We strengthen with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. It's going to show itself in joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints of light. Listen, He has delivered us from the dominion of darkness and he has transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, forgiveness of sins. He has taken you from the camp of darkness and you are now in the kingdom of light and he is now your king. His goodness now radiates in us and through us and out about us and so we are to let our light shine before men, are we not? How does that light shine? With a spirit of joy. With joy and gratefulness, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. It's no doubt that the Apostle Paul is getting after the false teachers, the Stoics, the killjoys, the spiritual killjoys that are trying to take the happiness and the joy out of their faith experience. And Paul says, come on, are you happy? Tell your face." not original to me, but that works. Uh-huh. You got joy? Tell somebody. You got joy? People shouldn't have to ask you if you do. Yeah, but you're like, I'm going through a hard time. You've been rescued from the dominion of darkness and brought into the kingdom of light. Yeah. You, were, yeah. you were destined to help. Whatever you're going through, and I know there's some bad stuff in the room. I've had some bad stuff in my life too. But I'm telling you, you've been rescued from the kingdom of darkness and he's put you in to the kingdom of light. You have reason to have joy. You have reason to be thankful. You have reason to praise God. And some of us are so stuck up in our pride, we're letting our sin squash us under when God is saying what? Ask my forgiveness again. I will come. I will cleanse. I will make you clean. For it is my will that you would live in your salvation. It's my will that you would let my spirit cleanse you clean. It is my will that you would. It is my will that you would be sanctified. Let me sanctify you. But I can if you don't repent. You just have to ask the Lord again and do it again and do it again. He will strengthen you. When you're filled with the knowledge of his will, he will strengthen you so that you can go. But now here's what I want you to hear. If you're struggling with joy, you need to learn the difference between gratefulness and joy. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. Joy is a gift from God. Gratefulness is a command. Thankfulness is a command. Hear this. Joy is the thermometer. Joy tells you how thankful you are. Joy tells you how thankful you are. And so if you want more joy, find something to be thankful for. You want more joy? Look at the hardest thing you've got in your life and you say, I am going to find something to be thankful for in the midst of that trial. Uh, Because I know God is working in me and he's doing something unique and special in me. I'm telling you. This is the prayer we pray. It's not a woe, it's me, it's God, you're on the throne. You're at the center of it all. Come do your thing. Help me to know. Because I wanna go, I wanna grow. Oh Lord God, I want to show the world that you can and you're working in me, Amen? amen? Come on, let's stand. I'm going to pray and then we're going to sing. God's goodness back to him. And so, Father, we pray. And we're grateful, Father, for your goodness. We practice this discipline of gratitude. Father, it is the fruit of the Spirit that you would give us joy. And so, Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you for Jesus Christ. We are grateful, Lord God, that we could sit and we could study your word. We are grateful that we're gonna be able to lift up our voices in praise in just a second. We are grateful, God, that you have not abandoned us. You have not left us nor forsaken us. God, that you will prevail in our lives. And so God, help us. Help us to leave here empowered, fueled in our prayer life. God, you can do these things. We believe it with all of our heart, and so we sing back our praise to you in Jesus' name, amen.